Set your Bible to 2 Corinthians chapter 3. 2 Corinthians chapter 3. If you'd stand with me for the reading of the word, I don't want you to get too comfortable on me. I like to show reverence to the word of God. Amen. 2 Corinthians chapter 3, verse 16 through verse 18. The word of the Lord reads this. It says, Nevertheless, when it shall turn to the Lord, the veil shall be taken away. Now, the Lord is that spirit. And where the spirit of the Lord is, there is liberty. But we all, with open face beholding as in a glass the glory of the Lord, are changed into the same image from glory to glory, even as by the spirit of the Lord. Even as by the Spirit of the Lord. I want to read just this same passage in a different verse. I, I don't particularly like this next version. It's a, uh, it's a very modern trans, uh, translation, a uh, parallel Bible of, uh, of this. It's the message version. I, I, I don't typically care for him, uh, Eugene Peterson. He, he takes a lot of the Bible out of context. But this particular verse... It's pretty interesting. It's pretty beautiful how he, how he writes it. So re- just, li- just listen to me. Whenever they, they turn to face God as Moses did, God removes the veil and there they are, face to face. They suddenly recognize that God is a living, personal presence, not a piece of chiseled stone. And when God is personally present, a living spirit, that old constricting legislation, is recognized as obsolete. We're free of it. All of us. Nothing between us and God. Our face is shining with the brightness of His face. And so we are transfigured, much like the Messiah, as our lives gradually become more beautiful as God enters our lives and we become like Him. How beautiful did He pin that? That nothing is standing between you and God. There we are, face to face with Him. Nothing is in our way. Nothing is stopping us. Nothing is hindering us. Nothing is holding us back. As our lives become more like Him. As He enters our lives. And we shine with His glory. Amen? You may be seated in the presence of the Lord. Have you ever heard the phrase, you had to be there? Typically, the statement is followed by uh, when someone is trying to tell you a story or tell you an event or uh, a circumstance or a situation or a, uh, a thing that uh, maybe uh, that they've gone through. And they, and they try to maybe articulate um, some, some words and, and come up with uh, some words to form a sentence or a paragraph to, to tell you of something that's happened. But often uh, they, they, they're trying to get you to understand what has conspired, what has happened. And, and so they'll end their statement and you just had to be there. You just had to be there. Maybe if, uh, maybe if, you, uh, if you like golf. Are there any golfers in here tonight? No golfers? Oh, we got one. That makes two of us. 
Maybe if you're a golfer and you went to the Augusta Classics, that's like this big, that's a big deal if you get to go to the Augusta Classics, which is in Augusta, Georgia. That's where I'm from, Atlanta, Georgia. And so Augusta, Georgia, it's not too far, about 45 minutes out from the city. If you get invited to just, to just watch them play golf there, that's like, that's, that's, a, that's a big deal. But uh, you, you could try to explain it and, and talk about how nice it was and good it was, but really you just had to be there. You just had to be there. Uh, a few years ago, I was privileged to go on a holiday to Hawaii, and uh, I flew into Honolulu and then caught this little, the sketchiest plane I've ever been on from Honolulu to this other small island called Kona Island, uh, about another two-hour flight. And, 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 and the weather was just so beautiful, and, and it's, this little small island is completely surrounded by, by crystal clear blue water. I mean, there's the most beautiful water. It looks like someone painted it. And, and the weather, just because it's surrounded by water, the, the wind is blowing all the time. It's just, it's always beautiful. The weather's just always just, just, just gorgeous. And, and I, I can tell you how, how nice it was and how good looking it was and, and how beautiful. But, but really, you just had to be there. You just had to be there. But the same is true with God. That He's never intended us to just look at other people's experience, but he, rather He wants us to experience Him for ourselves. He never intended us just to talk about other people's experience, but, but rather He wants us to experience Him for ourselves. That is why throughout the entire Word of God, you find God revealing Himself through encounters, through experiences. Like Moses in the burning bush. There, there was this bush that was engulfed with flames. And, but, but this bush wasn't burning up. And Moses realized that he was standing on holy ground. So he slips off his shoes and, and, and he realizes I'm standing on holy ground. And I'm sure when, when after this encounter, this experience passed, that he went back home, I'm sure that he tried to tell someone else about this encounter, about this experience. Hey bro, this bush, it was on fire, but it wasn't burning up. They're like, what? I, I don't get that. I don't understand that. I, that's because you just had to be there, bro. You just had to be there. David, in intimate times of worship, you just had to be there. Paul, on the road to Damascus, you just had to be there. Peter, in the day of Pentecost, when, when all these people, 3,120 people, were filled with the gift of the Holy Ghost, that was an encounter, an experience. You just had to be there. You just had to be there. But often we find ourselves studying other people's experience and is in reading about other people's experience. But God said, no, I want you to experience me for yourself. And so that's what we'll be speaking on tonight. Having an encounter with God. An encounter with God. See, we need an encounter with God. I've never seen a life change without having an encounter with God. I've seen people try to get off drugs. I've seen people try to go to AA. I've seen, uh, I've seen my friends who get out. Of, my friend just got out of prison not long ago. He's been in and out of prison for 12 years. And, and uh, I've seen him try to do all these things and straighten up his life. But I said, hey, bro, David, there's only one thing that you need to straighten out your life, man. He said, what's that, Trey? I said, man, you just need to encounter Jesus Christ. You just need to encounter Him. The greatest proof that Jesus Christ is, is Lord, the greatest proof that He is God, is when you live a life changed by the power of the Holy Ghost. 
There is nothing that can testify to God's goodness and that God is still alive and still working and moving and changing and forming and shaping lives how He wants to do when you live a life changed by His Spirit. It is the greatest thing that you could ever do. It is the highest compliment that you could pay God when you live a life changed by His Spirit and by His power. We don't just need power, we need words. In America, we have a little saying that talk is cheap. Talk is cheap. You can't just talk about it. You've got to be about it. New Testament kind of writes about it sometimes. It says that we're not just hearers of the word, but we're doers of the word also. You can't, you can't just hear about the word of God. You can't just know the word of God, but you've got to experience. You've got to encounter the word of God. We don't just uh, we don't just need just an uh, uh, a lot of the times we want an explanation we want to know how it happens we want to know uh, when it happens we want to know uh, what's going to happen but we just need an encounter with him we just need an encounter with him and too many people they never get past the mental side of relationship with Jesus Christ and this is what I mean by that they, uh, John wrote in in John chapter five thirty nine and forty it says you diligently study the scriptures because you think that by them you possess eternal life. These are the scriptures that testify about me, yet you refuse to come to have life. You refuse to come to me to have life. That's an encounter, an experience. You can't just know the Word of God. That's good. That's good to study, to show yourself approval, work when not needing to be ashamed of the gospel of Jesus Christ. That's good to do that, but, but you have to come to Him and experience something. You have to come and encounter something with God. There's something that conspires when you come. And and not only do you just hear the Word of God, but you do the Word of God. John 9, 17 and 15 says, Finally they turned to the blind man. What have you say about him? He replied, Whether he is a sinner or not, I do not know. But one thing I do know, I once was blind. But now I see. He said, hey, look, I don't know how he did it. All I know was my condition. I'm not trying to explain it or comprehend it. I just know that I couldn't see. And now that when I encountered and I experienced Jesus Christ, all I know is that now something has happened and I can see. See, but a lot of people, they just, they try to, uh, they just try to comprehend it. They just try to put it all together. And if it doesn't make sense to them, then it must not be true. We need an encounter. We need an experience with Him. We need an experience with Him. We need His presence, not just practice. The Garden of Eden, if you, a uh, very familiar story. If, we, if, you, if you go back and, and you, look up, you look up that word Eden back in its original language, in the Hebrew language, that word Eden, it means delight. The Garden of Eden, it means the Garden of Delight. Pretty fitting why they chose that word, d- delight. It was in this garden, it was so wide and it was so long that God put inside of this garden for Adam and Eve to dwell, to sit in, to be in, to, 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 to stay in. And inside of this garden there was, there was everything that they could ever want or everything they could ever desire inside of this garden. It says that in the cool of the day, God would walk, He would meet with Adam and Eve. It was the greatest uh, picture of relationship that was ever painted to humanity. 
Because right here in the Garden of Eden, the Garden of Delight, it was where they delighted in the presence of God. It was where God met with them. It was where they would walk with God and they would talk with God and God would listen. It was where God would talk and God would listen. And everything inside of this garden, nothing was lacking. Anything that they could ever want or need or desire was inside of this garden. But we know how the story goes. And so, he said, I have one stipulation for you to stay inside of this garden. I have one stipulation for you to be inside of this garden relationship it is i just don't want you to eat from this one tree from this one tree of the knowledge of good and evil and i hear people say they say okay well, well if god loves people so much if he loves this world so much then why did god put the tree in the garden in the first place because it was all about relationship with him See, if I walked down the street and I went to the house and I knocked on the first door that I came to and, and a lady answers, to, answers the door and I say, Oh, praise the Lord, sister. Uh, my, name is, uh, my name is Brother Trey Kiesling. I'm from America. Uh, we're going to get married and you're going to have five kids and you're going to be the happiest housewife you've ever been in your life. She would instantly pick up the phone and call the police. Get this crazy boy off my porch. Because that's not what relationship is. See, God's a gentleman. He doesn't force himself on anybody. So God put this tree in the garden because it's all about relationship with him. See, he had to give Adam and Eve a way out because they still had to choose to be inside of this relationship. God had given them everything that they could ever want or need, but he said, you still have to choose to be inside of this presence, inside of this garden, inside of this relationship. It's about relationship. I think that's what broke God's heart. Is that He created everything so nice, so, so perfectly positioned. Everything that they could ever need was inside of here. One rule, one stipulation, just don't eat of that one tree. And humanity has been flawed ever since. We've been flawed ever since. And so we find ourselves uniquely positioned because God has been stretching out time, giving humanity another opportunity after opportunity, after opportunity to come back into relationship with Him. And that's what this life is for. It's, it's preparation to, uh, to get ready for eternity. It's called the dispensation of grace. All you theologians out there, that he, He's literally stretching out time. Giving you the opportunity to come back and restore what, what once was broken. Well, if God loves the world so much, why is there so much hate and, and crime and, and killing and all this stuff in the world? It, it, it's not just because of sin. That is a big factor. But because God's giving you a way out. Because you have to choose to be in this relationship. You've got to have an option out. But Paul said there's nothing 
standing between you and Him. Face to face. So we'll look at the very first time the phrase face to face. Now I'm back in the King James so you, all you saints can quit sweating. Genesis 32, chapter, 20, uh, chapter 32, verse 24 and 30. Now here's a little backstory. Jacob, he's, uh, he, he's been rejected. He's a deceiver. He, he's on his run. He saw it's, it's a bad situation. We pick up the story in Genesis 32, 24. It says, so Jacob was left alone. And a man wrestled with him till daybreak. And when the man saw that he could not overpower him, he touched the socket of Jacob's hip so that his hip was wrenched as he wrestled with the man. And then the man said, let me go for it is daybreak. But Jacob replied, I will not let you go unless you bless me. The man asked him, what is your name? Jacob, he answered. Then the man said, Your name will no longer be Jacob, but Israel, because you have struggled with man and with God, but have overcome. And Jacob said, Please tell me your name. But he replied, Why do you ask my name? And then he blessed him there. And Jacob called the place Penuel, saying, It is because I saw God face to face. And yet my life was spared. So I just want to give you three things. That happened when you have a real encounter with God. Three things that happen when you have a real encounter with God. The first is you receive a new strength. When you really experience God, when you really encounter Jesus Christ, you receive a new strength. See, God had taken away Jacob's natural ability. It says that he had wrenched. He had literally taken out Jacob's hip out of place. But there was something that overcame Jacob. There was this strength. There was this mentality. He had wrestled with this angel all night long. But there was something inside of Jacob that when he had gotten to the presence of God, he said, I know that it hurts right now, but I'm not leaving. I'm not letting go until you bless me. He had a made up mind. And there's something that when you really encounter God, when you really experience Jesus Christ for the fullness of what He really is, there is a strength that overpowers you, that overcomes you, that surpasses anything that you are facing with that says, hey, I can make it just a little bit longer. I can make it to just one more service. I can just make it to one more prayer meeting. I know that God will bless me, that God will bring me out, that God will do what He said He will do because He promised me in His Word that all things work together for those who love Him and called according to His purpose. Isaiah 40, 29 and 31, it says He gives strength to the weary and increases the power of the weak. And even youth grow tired and weary and young men stumble and fall. But those who hope in the Lord will renew their strength. They will soar on wings like eagles. They will run and not grow weary. They will walk and they will not faint. There is some kind of strength that comes over you when you really encounter God. That says, I can make it. I can make it just a little bit longer. 
Matthew wrote in Matthew chapter 11, 28 and 29 says, Come to me, all you who are weary and burdened, and I will give you rest. And take my yoke upon you and learn from me, for I am gentle and humble in heart. And you will find rest for your souls. When you really have an encounter with God, there is a strength that comes over you. No matter what you're faced with, that I can make it. I can make it. Second thing, when, when you really, really encounter God, when you really have an experience with God, there is a new identity. There is a new identity. And almost every encounter with God throughout the entire world, especially, especially the Old Testament, there was always a name change. There was identity change. That they were completely new. There was, there was a requiring of the closing down of an old man and putting on a new man. There was identity change. Isaiah 43, 18, 19 wrote, it says, Forget the former things. Do not dwell in the past. See, I am doing a new thing. Now it springs up. Do you not perceive it? I am making a way in the deserts and in the streams and in the wastelands. I find that quite intriguing. That I'm making a way in the desert and in the wastelands. I'm going to put a stream there. But if you think about how, how God created a desert, if you think about how He created a wasteland, He specifically did not put a stream there. But God said that when there is an identity change, when you forget the former things, He says, in other words, He says, when, when it looks like it's impossible is what I will make very possible. That He literally goes against His own creation and make things that are possible that seem impossible. There is a, an identity change. Jacob, if you read later, Jacob, it says he walked with a limp. Is that right, Pastor? That's what the Word of God says. It says he walked with the limp. For the rest of his life, he walked with this limp. Not because he was some kind of gangster or some kind of pimp. He wasn't walking like that. No, but I, I just kind of think, why did this one encounter, this one experience that Jacob had with God, why did he have to walk that way for the rest of his life? Because of this one experience with Jesus Christ. I'm just, maybe I'm a little bit too evangelistic. But I just believe that it's because God wanted him to remember that one encounter that he had with God. That every step that you take, Jacob, every step that you make, I just want you to know that you weren't the same because of that one encounter that you had with me. Because when you really have an encounter with God, you will never be the same. Never. You don't go back to the former things. You don't dwell on the past. A new thing springs up. Revelations 3, 7, it says, What He opens, no one can shut. And what He shuts, no one can open. I love that passage. I love that Scripture. That no matter what you've been through, that no matter what you've gone through, no matter what you've done or what you didn't do, that when you really experience God, that you really encounter Him, that, that God shuts the door on your past and nobody has the key or can jimmy that door and open it back up. 
And that when, that when God opens the door, nobody can kick or shut or push. No one. No one. I identity change. I thank God that I'm not the same man that I used to be. I'm thank God that I don't walk the same. I don't talk the same. I don't look the same. There is no way that I would trade this new tray for the old tray. There's no way. No way. The third thing when you really encounter God is there is a joy. There is a joy that you receive when you really experience God. Let me tell you what gets on my nerves. When I'm in the supermarket, okay, and I'm doing some grocery stuff, just minding my own business. Just picking up some food for the week. Now, now every Pentecostal has this. I just call it the Pentecostal radar. It doesn't matter if you know them or not. You know when you see a Pentecostal. Say, so, yeah, I get you. And, and you say it. We say it all the time. You say, look, hey, honey, they're probably Pentecostal. Oh, yeah, they probably are. It's just a Pentecostal radar we have. I don't know. Maybe when you get the Holy Ghost, God instills that in you. I don't know. And I know. I know that they're Pentecostal. And they're pushing their buggy. What do they call them here? Trolleys. I'll pray for you guys. When you're pushing your trolley, and they just look so sad, like their puppy has just died, and they look mad at the world. Now, now this next part. Hopefully I don't see you in the store before I leave. I will creep on them. I will follow them. I will specifically go to the opposite end of the grocery store while they're at the other end, okay? I will follow them with my trolley. And when we line up to the same gap, hey, brother, praise the Lord. Oh, my God. Are you Pentecostal? Yeah. I'm like, man... Why do you look so mad and sad? I got the Holy Ghost inside of me. There's a joy that I receive. Yes, I'm happy all the time. Yes, I'm always smiling. Yes, I'm always in a good mood. Because there's a joy that gets inside of you that I just can't explain it. It's a joy, unspeakable joy, and full of glory is what the Bible says. I don't know what kind of ghost you got, but I got the Holy Ghost. No wonder some people don't want what we got. You always look like you're eating on something sour. I got the Holy Ghost. There is a joy that comes over you when you really get into the presence of God that says, hey, man, there's a strength and an identity change. Psalms 1611 says, you have made known to me the path of life. You will fill me with joy. In your presence, joy. That you find joy in His presence. The musicians would come. This last night of revival, 
You want to know how you really experienced God? You want to know how you've really encountered God? Let me give you a little checklist. If you walk out still discouraged, you haven't had an encounter. If you walk out the same, you haven't had an encounter. If you walk out with a sour face, you haven't really had an encounter. We should be the happiest, most ecstatic. I literally have had people, I I have been not embarrassing people, Pentecostals in the grocery store, looking. People have come up to me. I have not even spoken to them. They say, hey man, what's so different about you? And I'm just looking at the shelf. What do you mean? Is there, do I have a booger in my nose? They said, I don't know. Something's just different about you. That's not patting myself on the back. No, that's just what God's done inside of me. I'm sorry, I can't help it. It just kind of shines off. It's just kind of radiant. says nothing between us and God. Our face is shining with the brightness of His face. As our lives gradually become brighter and more beautiful as God enters our lives and we become like Him. Is that not the goal? we got to have an encounter with Him. A real encounter. A life-changing encounter. The problem with this message is you will never understand it until you experience it. You just had to be there. Man, that's just too crazy for me. That's okay. You just had to be there on January 13th of 2007. Well, he's just a little too far. Well, when I went down in the name of Jesus Christ for the remission of my sins and a baptism just like this right here, on February 11th of 2007, you just had to be there because you just don't know what he washed away in that water for me. You just had to be there. Say, well, I, I, well that, that's just for show. That's just semantics. No, that's fine. You can keep thinking that. But I'm going to run and dance and shout for the one who gave his life for me. Because I really want to have an encounter with him. Because nothing else matters to me. Call me selfish. Call me whatever you want. No, I just want an encounter with him. Because nothing has changed my life like Jesus Christ. Nothing. 
My parents, my family, they don't understand it. That's okay, they weren't there. My friends, I still walk down the street. Hey, Trey, what's up, bro? Say, what's up, bro? I say, what are you up to, man? I ain't seen you in a while. I said, oh, man, I'm in church now. What? Let me tell you about a man named Jesus. And an encounter that I had that changed my life, man. That really changed my life. I know we talked about the life-changing power of the Holy Ghost this morning. I know this is the same. That's because maybe the person I was supposed to, I was preaching to this morning didn't catch it. So I came to give you a little checklist tonight. What a real encounter looks like. A new strength, a new identity, and a new joy. If you'd stand with me this evening. I don't know about you. But I felt like Pastor confirmed what God was speaking to tonight when he got up right before I did. I felt the check in the Holy Ghost. God is looking for a people. God's looking for one who said, hey, I'll have an encounter with you. No matter if I fall, no matter if I slip, no matter how bad this world gets, no matter what gets thrown my way, I'm still going to have an encounter with you. It's not just a one-time thing, but it's something that you can experience every single day. That nothing is standing between you and God. And I want Him to enter my life more and more and more because I want to decrease so that He can increase. And I couldn't think of anything better to leave you with on this very first night than going out with a true encounter with God. true encounter what's so beautiful about God is when you get into the presence of God when you really encounter him when you really experience him no matter what you've done at that very moment, in the twinkling of an eye, He'll wash away 
every fear, every anxiety, every thought of depression, every sin, every temptation, every spirit. And it's right there at that moment when God views you completely different. A true encounter. A true encounter. There's identity change. That means you don't go back and you don't pick up what you once did or who you once were. Now other people may still view you as the same person, but that's okay. They just weren't there. They just weren't there. You just had to be there, bro. I don't know about you, church. But in the midst of the culture and the society that we live in today, there's fewer and fewer people who are willing and wanting to have a true encounter with God. But I'm thankful that there's a church who's still preaching the gospel of Jesus Christ. That there's still a people who's not going to water down, who's not going to twist, who's not going to sit down, who's not going to be silent, and who has made a declaration to God and said, Lord, I'm still going to encounter you. No matter what comes my way, no matter what this world does, no matter what my friends do, no matter what my mama or my daddy or my friends do or what they don't do, I'm going to have an encounter with you. A true encounter. A true experience. A life-changing experience. So I'm going to open this altar this, this night. I believe God really wants to pour out a real experience tonight. Maybe an encounter that you haven't felt in some time. You can go back and you can pinpoint those encounters and those experiences and you, and you can remember when the power of God fell on you and it's been a long time since you felt it like that. God said, hey, you can still have an encounter with me today. Nothing is standing between you and me.